Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Ready Player One in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. It's kind of crazy that we've gotten two new Spielberg films in the last four months or so uh, between Ready Player One and The Post, but we have, and uh, that's not something, I I guess, like, that's something you should be excited about, you know, whether you grew up on Jurassic Park or Hook um, or E.T. or uh, A.I. or whatever he's made, um... You know, he's he's been a formative director who's put out pretty incredible movies uh, for his entire career, uh, from Jaws to Saving Private Ryan to Schindler's List uh, to Jurassic Park. You know, he's he's kind of hit everything he's possibly attempted to do and done it really well. And so, you know, Ready Player One. To be honest, like I, I didn't, I was not aware of the book until the movie came out, and I haven't read the book. I don't really do that with the movies that I see, so I don't know how faithful this adaptation is. I, I don't know if it's more uh, nostalgic in the book. Uh, I don't know if there are more references, less references, etc., etc., etc. But comparing Ready Player One to the post for just a moment, in my opinion, uh, and I didn't think that this was going to be my opinion going into watching Ready Player One, I think The Post is better. Now, obviously, The Post got nominated for Best Picture last year. I don't think that was fair or, or correct at the time. I still don't. But just ob- just objectively, the absolute value of of the post, I think, is higher than Ready Player One. That being said, I do feel that Ready Player One is a far more enjoyable and fun movie, as big blockbuster spectacle movies generally tend to be. It is far more crowd-pleasing, I think, than The Post was, and the special effects and sort of the set pieces and the action moments, they are more rewarding in and of themselves, than most of the time, most of the moments and scenes we get in the post. And it's not a very big difference or gap either. Uh, you don't have, I, I, I get, you know, on strictly using letterboxed ratings, the post has three stars for me, Ready Player One has two and a half. So it's a very small difference between the two. But just, but to just talk about Ready Player One, on its own, uh, it's so it's it's a virtual world. So think um, Spy Kids 3D, a little bit of that, and you get uh, these two. Well, uh, you ultimately end up with these five characters who work who are working together to uh, accomplish a specific goal. You have Ty Sheridan uh, playing Parzival, Olivia Cook as Artemis. Lena Waithe as H, um, Philip Zhao as Sho, 
and Win Morisaki as Daito. These are the five characters in the game who are striving towards the goal of uh, winning the virtual contest set forth by the game's creator, Mark Rylance, a.k.a. Uh, Halliday. Uh, so they takes place in Oasis, uh, which is this virtual world where you can, as the opening monologue kind of tells us, you can really do whatever you want. And the objective of this game, this challenge, this Easter egg hunt, is to there are three challenges that you have to complete in order to uh, in order to acquire three keys that you can use to open up a vault, essentially that gives you control over the whole thing. That's pretty pretty monumental because while if you look at something like um, Spy Kids 3D, uh, which it's a similar pr uh, uh, world that they live in in the movies, the two movies, Spy Kids 3D, if you owned that war video game world, eh, you know, it'd probably be, like, lucrative, but it's not world-changing. In Ready Player One, because we're so many years into the future, almost 30 years into the future, and because so much bad, so many bad things have happened to the world, everyone lives in the Oasis, and that's kind of insane, and so just owning that thing is not just lucrative, but it's it's like king, right? It's like owning the world. That's it's it's unparalleled, unparalleled power. If everyone's spending all their time in a virtual world instead of the real one, the real world loses all sense of of meaning. Uh, and so, for that exact reason, we have not just gamers trying to own this thing, but actually, like, corporate businessmen, played by Ben Mendelsohn. He is Nolan Sorrento, and he, in his company, um, Innovative Online Industries, I think, IOI, he is enlisting as many people as he can to spend all of their time playing in Oasis uh, to find these keys and unlock the the secrets and find and and ultimately control it and use it and to profit off of it and to uh, basically subject the world to you know pop-up ads and and add all this oh I don't know he doesn't really go super deep into detail about that during the movie but it's bad, you know, he's he's corporate guy, sleazy, wears a suit, ridiculous, over the top, you know, the pretty standard affair, right there. And throughout the movie, we watch as our heroes and their counterparts um, fail and succeed uh, in equal measure, sort of, to successfully... Uh, get all of the things, and and for that it's it's an, it's fine. You know, it, it, the 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 three challenges. The first challenge is a race, and the race involves King Kong at one point, and uh, it's it's pretty 
fantastic. It kind of reminded me at time, you know, it definitely reminded me of the race in Spy Kids 3D, or even like Speed Racer, if you saw that a few years back, by the Wachowskis. And it's fun. It's, it's, it's not breaking my brain or anything like that, but it's fun. And it, I, I was more impressed by the way in which you beat the race and the way in which you win it than I was by the actual race itself. I thought the, 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 when, when Parzival wins the race, when they show that version, I, I really enjoyed that. Might have been one of my favorite moments in the movie. Just how, just the way it looks and the way they chose to sort of animate that visual angle and perspective, I really appreciated, and I thought that was really neat. But the thing was, this is a movie that hinges on pop culture references, and they're everywhere, from King Kong to uh, the Iron Giant, who Lena Waithe's character, uh, H, is constructing in her garage, uh, to you know, Buckaroo Banzai, and, t I mean, pop culture, Buckaroo Banzai, and just, it, it doesn't stop there, you've got Gundams, and uh, Master Chiefs, and, you know, you see Minecraft, and League of Legends references everywhere, like, uh, references to The Shining, and, and so much more, you know, you, you have all of these just subtle, 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 but also over-the-top, over-the-top, over-the-top nods to all these other video games and movies and TV shows and franchises and worlds and books that you can't really ever escape them, right? You can't just ignore them. They're there. They're going to be there. You know, every... The, the final challenge hinges entirely on a game on... on on, on a on a particular game that you that was made many years ago, and that is not and and what struck me watching the movie is how little impact all of these references and all of this pop culture stuff has on the message of the movie. Because when you have a movie that is so deeply entrenched in pop culture, you would expect that the movie is commenting on pop culture, and it's not. So there's this small, very small thread through the film regarding time spent in the Oasis and time spent in the real world, and how we're spending too, many, too much of our time in video games. Uh, I mean, sure, but that's not really, you know, the, the half measure that the movie takes and I assume the book as well takes at the end to sort of remedy this, isn't satisfactory, in my opinion, to say don't play video games as much. Because it kind of... The, what the, what ultimately ends up feeling to me is it's saying play all the video games you want, um, just take a break every once in a while, but play all the video games kind of a situation. And, I mean, that's fine, but... It, it's it's not making any 
grand statements. It's not saying things that you don't see every 20 minutes when you pause your Wii. I, I don't know if you've ever used a Wii, particularly with Wii Sports. I remember like every like every other loading screen in Wii Sports, it would say, you know, when was the last time you took a break outside and, and got physical activity that way? And I thought that was silly, but it's nice. It's a refreshing thing, uh, especially for people who aren't like diehard gamers. That is a m probably a much needed um, notice for them. But if you if you are you know very entrenched in video games and gaming, you don't care about that kind of stuff. You're just playing the game until you're done playing the game, or until you fall asleep, right? And this game and and this movie try to make it out to be that not only is every single human being in the world a gamer to some degree or another because we don't meet anybody who doesn't game or doesn't go to the oasis uh, not only is that the case but everyone is diehard committed to oasis in every sense of the word you know it, it's it's not because of the state of affairs of reality, there aren't any people who are just casual Oasis players. Uh, in fact, it feels like, uh, compared to most of the other people in this in this movie, that Ty Sheridan's character, Parzival, spends the least amount of time in the Oasis. You know, we don't see him, like, just living in the oasis every time he's in the oasis he is in a singular he has a singular drive toward toward uh finding these keys and completing these challenges which is great and, and obviously that's the plot of the movie and that's what drives the movie but we don't see him just existing in the oasis we see uh some of his three three of his friends doing that for a point um, in the very early parts, right before the first race. But outside of that, I never got the sense that he like lived there, as he claims so many people do. And it doesn't seem like he has anything else to do besides going to the Oasis. It doesn't look like he has a job. It doesn't look like he, you know, he doesn't have family, really. And that is strange. And I mean, the movie's already over two hours long, so obviously there's not a lot of time left over for running around, but it just felt like, I don't know, it just felt like the lack of just downtime didn't really play into the, didn't play into the, the notion that people live in this world. So, from a video game standpoint, I wasn't particularly impressed by what the movie was saying and, and conveying. From a pop culture standpoint, when you're making all these references, it's cute to point them out and say, look at that, that's that thing from that thing and that thing from that thing. And uh, you can do that with a lot of the references in this movie, but it's also the case that they have to make a point, right? You have to be commenting on the pop culture references. And and it doesn't matter what you're saying about them, if you're saying something. And for me, I thought 
absolutely none of these references held any weight outside of we made a reference. Uh, you know, you see <clears throat> all the ones I've listed so far, the ones I've held off mentioning uh, just for spoiler's sake, um, but like there's also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and like most, so many of them are blink and you miss them. So obviously they have no reference and, and no impact on the plot or the movie in that way. But it's it's like, why why are we spending so much of our time in this movie and in and it's presumably the book as well with these characters and in these worlds that already exist in people's heads? What is the point of that? Why are we doing this if you're not going to tell us something? And you would expect from Steven Spielberg that there would be more to it than that. You know, even his most popcorny movies generally generally they they lead to some sort of message, some sort of theme that you can connect to. And I th I think that for me as far as I can tell, you know, just because they call out Mario Kart doesn't tell me anything about this movie, about the creator of this movie, about what anybody thinks about what they're doing. And they leave all these dots and, and they don't connect them. Uh, you know, we're not trying to say that you should... You know, I don't think there's ever a time where the movie tries to argue that we rely too much on nostalgia, or that we disrespect nostalgia, or that we forget things that happened in our past in reference to what's come up next. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel like those are points being made in the movie. It's just, here's a film with as many pop culture references as you could possibly ever want, break it down frame by frame, and just, it's an Easter egg hunt. That's literally all it is. It's an Easter egg hunt, both literally in the game, or in the movie, that is the objective, to find an Easter egg. In the movie, in a wider, broader sense, it is an Easter egg hunt in finding, picking out all the references to characters that uh, you don't, you may or may not recognize uh, based on your own experiences with video games and, and pop culture. And it's also an Easter egg hunt because it came out the weekend, Easter weekend. You know, tying that all in. Cute. So, I don't know. It just, it rubs me the wrong way. And I think, other than the spectacle, it doesn't provide much. So, beyond that, you know, the performances, um, I think the only, the only people I really haven't mentioned that play major roles in the movie are Simon Pegg, who was originally the co-creator of, or the partner of Halliday, of Rye Lance's Halliday, in creating the Oasis, as well as T.J. Miller, who voices, and I presumably mocaps, uh, one of the henchmen for Ben Mendelsohn, but we only see him inside the game. We never see him in real life. But then you have a ton of other people in this movie that really don't need to be. Ralph Innocent from The Witch, the dad from The Witch, plays like surrogate father to Ty Sheridan in two scenes. Uh, Letitia Wright, blink and you miss her. Lulu Wilson, who was in 
uh, Annabelle Creation and Ouija or Ouija Origin of Evil. Blink and you miss her. Uh, and McKenna Grace, who was in Gifted, Independence Day Resurgence, I, Tanya. She is a voice in the Angry Birds movie. She's going to be in Captain Marvel. She's in How to Be a Latin Lover. And, and she's been in a ton of things. Blink and you miss her. Ne Lulu Wilson, Letitia Wright, McKenna Grace. No speaking lines between the three of them. And, like, that just leaves two female characters in the whole movie that, well, three, I guess, uh, if you include uh, Hannah John Kamen, who play, I think, right? I think. Yeah, Hannah John Kamen, who's like the, the right-hand woman of Ben Mendelsohn, but Olivia Cook, main, biggest role for the fe a female, but then Lena Waithe's um, avatar in, in the Oasis is a male, so we don't even get so her character isn't even 100% female in this movie. Which, I don't know, bothers me. I don't know. I, I think if they had to do that, I think... I don't know. It's frustrating. Um, but of the performances, like I think Olivia Cook gives a really good performance. I think Mark Rylance was solid. Definitely very solid as Halliday. Uh, Simon Pegg doesn't really get a lot to do in the movie as Ogden Morrow. Uh, T.J. Miller is just pretty much one joke. Ty Sheridan was kind of bland for me, which is frustrating because I really like him in Mud and Joe. thought he does a really good job in those two movies, but I, I was kind of disappointed in what he gave me in this. Ben Mendelsohn was just unexciting, and... Uh, that's it. Like, there's really no other characters in this movie. It's frustrating that there's such a big world, so expansive, so many references to makes, you know, so much time spent, like, connecting us to all these different pop culture references. And yet, outside of Ty Sheridan, Olivia Cook, and Ben Mendelsohn, there are no big characters in this movie. T.J. Miller gets, like, four scenes that he's barely in any way. Uh, Lena Waithe, who's probably the fourth biggest character in the movie, as H or Helen, doesn't uh, is is almost a non-factor for most of the movie. Even in Oasis, they are mostly a non-factor. So uh, the movie doesn't exactly spend its time well. It it, it feels so not focused on who these people are and more on what is Oasis. And I don't even think it succeeds in successfully defining what Oasis is. Um, I, it's just frustrating and irritating to see so many so many great potential-filled elements completely fall flat and in the hands of one of the most well-respected and and arguably best directors of all time in Steven Spielberg it's even more disappointing and like I said I gave this a two and a half star rating on Letterboxd that translates into a rating in the 50s out of 100 which is 
by no means bad, okay? Despite how negative I think I generally am going to always be talking about this movie, it's not bad. It's not absolutely bad. It has plenty of exciting moments. The general set pieces and spectacle are not unenjoyable. They are fun. Uh, they they mean something. As, as I said before, like I really like Olivia Cook's character and storyline in this movie. She gets a pretty interesting kind of, you can kind of call it a side plot in the third act that I really appreciate and enjoy. And it, it just... It just, it just underwhelmed me a lot. And I went into this, I had not seen a trailer for it. I didn't know what to expect. About the only things I knew from the movie is that the Iron Giant's in it. And I had read, caught, glimpsed one review that was like very upset that one of the first things you see is Minecraft. And I, that didn't bother me. And I actually didn't have as much of a problem with Iron Giant doing violent uh, things as I thought I would, but that is that is also there too. So, I don't know, it, it's, it's, it's a big movie, a lot of people are going to go see it, and a lot of people are going to enjoy it, because it's Spielberg, and because it's a video game, and it's based on a book, and it's got all these pop culture references, but me, I was less than impressed. And I think that that I think that's more likely to bear out um, than being impressed by it personally. I don't know. It's it is what it is. I guess I can't. I don't know. Olivia Cook. That is the takeaway of this movie. If if and if anything, she should be what everyone takes away from this movie as what was the highlight. Um, which is a shame that her character doesn't get more to do. And and what little she does get to do, she is exceedingly great at it. Uh, particularly at the motion capture of Artemis uh, in the the dance scene, I thought was spectacular visually and. Very, and, and very successful in making me believe that that was really happening and, and really going on. But, m so most of the Avatar characters in this movie are pretty real, are really well rendered and very believable. The only one that I really had an issue with was Lena Waithe's character. I don't know why H looked the way they did and, and spoke so distortedly uh, I assume that's because Waith was distorting their voice so that people couldn't tell that she's a woman. But if anybody can be anybody in this online world, I don't know why you would use your real voice in it. So I don't I don't know why it had to sound so strange. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's weird. And uh, but then like Ben Mendelssohn's avatar character part i was i liked that you could definitely see the features of ben mendelson within his avatar but at the same time like he looked super 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 fake compared to some of the other people in this movie that are supposed to not look fake 
uh, obviously, like T.J. Miller, the T.J. Miller, the character T.J. Miller voices is obviously fake and like really not even trying to be real. But characters like Ty Sheridan's character is doesn't have to be fake looking and isn't a lot of the time. And to the and similarly, Ben Mendelsohn's avatar is human in presentation and yet looks very very fake by comparison. So, I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, Ready Player One. Like I said, two and a half stars. uh, Rating in the 50s. Definitely not one of my favorite movies. And, unfortunately, I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to. But, that being said, I know a lot of people who did really enjoy it, and I've seen a lot of positive, positive, positive reviews on Twitter and Letterboxd, so don't take my review to mean that it's going to, that it won't click with everybody, Uh, and that's, that's it, that's a review, I'm not going to go into spoilers for Ready Player One, because it would probably just be more pop culture reference connections, and, and name dropping that's what it feels like it feels like name dropping a lot uh so um yeah this is again apologies i i keep pushing back this unsane review still haven't seen it my girlfriend was sick all weekend uh so i actually i went and saw this by myself and sometime this week I, we will go see Unsane. That is the movie she's most looking forward to out of all the ones that are playing. It will be seen. Uh, currently, it might not be till Friday that that review comes out, but it is what it is. Uh, Wednesday's episode is going to be stats from Ready Player One. And then there's still Best March Films and Best April Born Actors in the Wings. April. Uh, so that is what's coming out in the near future, and that's it, thank you so much for listening, and if you are interested in checking out previous episodes, uh, you can head over to the website, circleoffilm.com, there's tons of stuff over there, I'm constantly working on it to try to add more content to the website, and make it more aesthetically pleasing, and all that kind of stuff, if you would like to get in touch with me, two good ways to do that, Uh, you can do that on Twitter, at Circle of Film, or by email, circleoffilm at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do that on Patreon at patreon.com slash circleoffilm. Thank you once again for listening to today's episode, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from being.